Hello, this is Luna Lake. I'm just going to record the Bachelor Crazy show again. Like I did a couple of weeks ago. As soon as you let go of the railings, instant regret. What should people do? The vast majority of survivors say the same thing. What have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. Jumping off a bridge that high is like slamming into concrete. A vacuum sucks you under 70 feet. What happened when you hit the water? What intervened? It was the single worst action I had ever taken. More teens died by suicide than heart disease, AIDS, pneumonia, the flu, cancer, and lung disease. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, 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 Kevin Hines jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm crying my eyes out like a baby. There was a guy to my left. Said, it's, a cinema, it's a cinema moment with his important story. What were you thinking right before you jumped? I sat on that bus in the back row, middle seat. I'm crying my eyes out like a baby. There was a guy to my left, said to the fellow next to him, what the hell's wrong with that kid with a smile on his face? As soon as you let go of the railing, instant regret. What should people do? The vast majority of survivors say the same thing. What have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. Jumping off a bridge that high is like slamming into concrete. A vacuum sucks you under 70 feet. What happened when you hit the water? What intervened? It was the single worst action I had ever taken. More teens died by suicide than heart disease, AIDS, pneumonia, the flu, cancer, and lung disease combined. And that is a travesty. I thought I had to die. And I was wrong. Anybody out there watching this right now, what do you want them to know? I got on the next bus. I sat in the very last seat in the middle row. We began to drive out to the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's when it hit me. I realized I didn't want to die at all. I said, what are you doing, Kevin? Get off the bus. And so I'm sitting there and I'm crying my eyes out, hoping for one individual on this bus crowded with people to look at me and say, hey, kid, are you okay? Hey, kid, there's something wrong. Can I help you? I, I was walking up to the bus driver, hoping that he would see my pain. But I could not say it overtly. I could not tell him that I was in trouble. I could not make those sounds. And he looked at me. Come on, kid, get off the bus. I got to go. There was a guy to my left, said to the fellow next to him, while pointing at me with his thumb, what the hell's wrong with that kid with a smile on his face? I thought, that's it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. A wave of emotion overcame me as I stepped down off of this bus. My feet heavy, my heart palpitating, waterfalls flowing out of my eyes. I walked forward. As I stood atop the Golden Gate Bridge walkway, staring and leaning over the four foot nothing rail, peering down to the looming waters below. I walked back toward the traffic. I ran as fast as I could, and I threw myself over the rail. In no second that my hands left that rail, instant regret for my actions. I fell 220 feet, 25 stories at 75 miles an hour in four seconds. I prayed on the way. What have I just done that I want to die? God, please save me. Father, on the morning of, he pleaded with me to be with him that day. He pleaded with me to just hang out because he could see something was wrong. 
And at six in the morning, I entered my dad's room and he looked at me and he goes, Kevin, what's wrong? I desperately wanted to tell him the truth. And eventually I convinced my dad that morning that I was fine, knowing full well that I was going to the Golden Gate and I was gonna die. He turned to me and he said one of his favorite things. Kevin, I love you, be careful. When you hit a vacuum, sucks you under 70 feet. My legs were completely immobile. I had shattered my lower vertebrae in the shards like glass. I swam 70 feet with one breath and without the use of my legs. It was the fastest I ever swam because I knew I wanted to live. I break the surface, I bubble down in the water. I can't stay afloat. I keep going down, my boots are waterlogged. I cannot stay afloat, I'm going to drown. Praying the entire way, God, please save me. I don't want to die, I made a mistake. I broke the surface. God, please save me. I don't want to die. I made a mistake. Bobbed up and down in the water. God, please save me. I don't want to die. I made a mistake. I can't die here. If I die here, no one will ever know I didn't want to. No one will ever know I knew I made a mistake. And that is when something began to circle beneath me. It was large and very slimy and very alive. And I just going to die by a shark bite. Just kept circling faster and faster beneath me. No longer was I waiting in the water. I'm lying on top of being kept buoyant by this thing. It was bumping me up. I was no longer swimming. I'm lying on my back, being kept afloat by this thing, thinking, when is it gonna bite me? There was no shark, but there was a sea lion. And the people above looking down believed it to be keeping me afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived behind me. He got the phone call from the hospital. He calls the secretary, Rachel, and, and, and says, uh, Rachel, uh, my son has just jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. I need you to ride in the passenger seat of the car because if you don't, I will drive off of a cliff. He wouldn't be able to see straight to get to the hospital. And he walks in to my room. And I'm laying there all, you know, kind of broken and bent. IVs in both arms. I had a tube coming out of my chest and just waterfalls flow from me. I looked up at my dad. I said, Dad, I'm sorry. And he said, No, Kevin, I'm sorry. And he comes over and he puts his hand on my forehead and he says, Kevin, you are going to be okay, I promise. And I never held words closer to my chest ever before. I just, I just held them. Okay, Dad says I'm gonna be okay. I got this. The road to recovery was pretty long. I, I still have all the symptoms I ever had. I just know how to cope with it and I know how to beat it. I built a support network over these years so that I wouldn't be fighting this alone. My dad took me back to the bridge a year later to the date of my anniversary. And we, we stood at the very light rail that I attempted. I knew exactly which light rail it is. On the drive there, he pulls over right in front of the police officer's union building. And he goes, Kevin, Kevin, pick a flower. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not picking a flower from the police officer's union building until you get arrested. He goes, pick a flower, Kevin. Jump out, grab a purple tulip with yellow inside. We go to the bridge. We get to the parking lot, I don't want to get out of the car. I 
don't want to get out of the car. Dad, I can't do this. I can't do this. Kevin, we need this. You have to do this. We need closure. So we walk out to the bridge and he says, show me where. And I showed him the exact light rail like it happened the day before. We hold the flower over the rail. My father grabs my left hand with his right. We say in our father. And he says, drop the flower. I dropped the flower and wafted down and hit the water and made the tiniest ripple effects. And two feet to the right popped up a sea lion. And it was arguably the most beautiful moment I've ever had with my dad besides him being the best man at my wedding. Now I know that no matter what I'm faced with, I will defeat it. I have chronic thoughts of suicide. They plague me. They'll never, ever take me. There's no way I'm going to take my life. I'm always going to ask for help. If I was able to exit this body and just, just be someone there for, for me, my, my 19-year-old self on that bridge, I would have stopped. I would put my hand on my shoulder, gently nudge it this way, and said, this isn't the answer. Your life matters. Your pain matters. And this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. Anybody out there watching this right now, considering it, what do you want them to know? Stop. Breathe. Just take a moment. Four in through the nose, eight through the mouth, pursed lips like a whistle but no sound. Stop. Breathe. Stop. Breathe. If you give the world time to have things change, you might get to have that beautiful future that you never even desired or imagined. I travel around the world trying to help people who don't have it all, who don't have that support network, I mean, find reasons to support themselves. And if one of you is suffering and you're quiet about it, today, tomorrow, the next, ask for help. Practice never again silencing your pain. Tell the truth about it to someone. You're not alone. And suicide is never the solution to your problems. It is the problem. And you can defeat this pain one day at a time.
Objectively the best Alice in Chains song, which is why I picked it. It's also the basis of my Twitter username. Um, yeah, anyway, that was Angry Chair by Alice in Chains. I don't know why these people invited me to do this. I am so, so laughably bad at this. What? Don't even ask. No, 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 you are, oh my god, this is not good. No, 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 you got the fantastic radio voice. <laughs> thanks. Um, I disagree, but thanks. Um, anyway, uh, I guess I'll hand this off to okay. um, you now. All right. Uh, here you go. I assume I unplugged it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> Holy cow, oh, feedback so is really bad today. Are we working? Yeah, I think we're on. Are we working? Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, hey, we are going to make some noise, we were going to say. We forgot to say that. Uh, okay, good, yeah. Okay, keep talking for a second. I want to make sure we're working okay. here. Okay, we got, um, we got, uh, this was um, oh, yeah. music okay, from we're the on. 90s, and it's uh, kind of punk music and I remember now that my brother used to play in a band and so I'm kind of like on familiar territory here <laughs> anyway welcome DJ Red Boy that was excellent yeah thank you very much that was great um yeah uh, so yeah we we're talking about Kevin Hines and uh and uh oh yeah um his survivor story and his um, passion to go places throughout the world and talk about his story and and um, share his experience is pretty empowering. Um, and the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah, it's an interesting uh, um, history with suicide. And, uh, I think it's we start. They built it in 1937, and and uh, since then had over. <laughs> 1700 um suicides su suicide jumpers and out of them only about 34 lived and um so they they oh so yeah and uh dj lunacy where are you don't disappear i'm like Tauli from south park today yeah um yeah, and only 34 people lived in the 1700 that have uh, jumped from that bridge. And um, they, since um, last few years, they put up a netting um, underneath 
20 stretches 20 feet out and I think it's 20 feet below um, to help you know uh, uh, save people um, from their attempts um, and there was a highway patrol man that he got I think it was 1996 and his name was Kevin Briggs he a lot of Kevins in this story yeah a lot of Kevins in this story he, um, is this a coincidence or is it the Matrix? <laughs> the Matrix. Um, he, yeah, he thought he was being put on duty to serve for traffic um, accidents and, and incidents and whatever he has to do with traffic control there. And he ended up discovering that he spent most of his time um, having to um, ha uh, deal with people that were jumpers and. Uh, he said he was dealing with three to four people a month, and he didn't know what he was doing. He was scared, and he was he was scared that he was making it worse for people. And um, and then immediately, you know, got some education around it and was able to help people. And he saved over 200 people, talked them down from jumping. Um, no one jumped when he was he was on board. And um, yeah, and he talks about his experiences and his approach. You know, like learning about. Uh, you know, you, you can't tell someone that they're making a mistake or they're, you know, uh, along those lines. It's like the approach is everything, and and uh, he was able to sort that out. Oh, I wanted to uh, just inter um, interject my findings. I realized that Marin County, which is where the Golden Gate Bridge is located in San Francisco, are no longer publishing any numbers not uh, statistics on the Golden Gate Bridge suicide attempt, so um, we don't really know how well these nets work, but... Um, I feel like putting a net there might not be a great idea, because wouldn't the force of someone falling rip the net? No, they're steel nets. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're like fences, but they're just vertical. Um, vertical? Yeah, vertical. No, horizontal. Horizontal, yeah, horizontal. <laughs> I always get that mixed up. Like, yeah. like, like a steel mesh, that, like high-resistant... Uh, it's like other people path. are mm -hmm. mixing up left and right, and are mixing up horizontal and vertical all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like anyway <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm you know of course obviously if you really want to jump you can still you can, apparently the way that these nets look you can just jump off of the net after you have been caught in the net yeah well yeah that's true one of the things that kevin hines was talking about is that um no it's uh, um only 20 feet underneath the railing the yeah. nets are suspended 20 feet underneath the railing yeah and they span 20 feet out yeah. Um, you guys can Google it to see what yeah. it looks like, and it's kind of like, um, yeah. so that uh, that that's less of a visual impact on the beauty of the bridge. Yeah. Well, it actually, it doesn't look too bad. It doesn't yeah. look bad at all. No, it doesn't no. look too bad. I think some other people job, have I mean, put this on bridges, like yeah. in other countries where you know people like jump off the Lionsgate Bridge in Vancouver too. You know. Yeah. They, I remember when I was living in Vancouver for a while as the traffic was um, blocked like in Granville Street and we didn't see any car coming by in like four hours maybe more only because somebody was trying to jump off of the Granville Street bridge so yeah yeah um, one of the nice things about the nets is one of the things that the statistics um, were demonstrating was that uh, a, um, a high percentage of people um, have once they go to attempt um, to jump or uh, 
to attempt any other methods of suicide, there's a, there's a moment where they decide they don't want to do it. It's the last minute they want to pull out. And yeah, that's what Kevin it, described. He was like, as soon as he let go of the railing, and Kevin was one of the people that really advocated for these nets. He said, these nets are going to help you a lot. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's pretty significant, I would say, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny when that happens. <laughs> we, got, we got awesome soundscapes today. <laughs> yeah. Did you, do, you, do you have the recording of that guy that um, um, Kevin Bridges? Did you get that? Oh, no, I was just reading about him on the oh, internet. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought I'd sent you the, oh. the, the interview. Somebody interviewed him and yeah, he was actually, talking was an interview. I did hear one f a few years back and uh -huh. that's how I heard about him the first time too. Yeah, was, he's a really interesting guy. And, and then he spent, oh yeah, so after he retired, um, he goes around, um, um, you know, speaking about uh, suicide prevention. Yeah, that's his turn in his life yeah well we could do with a little bit of that i think we have um more deaths from fentanyl right now than from covid so yeah could be um they do training at my school for stuff like that okay yeah. oh dj Redboy wants to say something he's gonna pass the microphone jumping off of what dj lunacy said about fentanyl um at my school, we actually do training in case of one of the students is around someone who's overdosing. They teach us how to administer naloxone and, um... Is the mic not working? Yeah, it's working. Yeah. Um, they awesome. have us practice on oranges. Oranges? Yeah. I had to inject an orange with water at school. <laughs> um, and then they send us home with the kits. They also do like a lot of like anti-drug PSA type stuff, including a video of a guy rapping about meth. Oh wow! Wow, that's um, nice. yeah, nice. Yeah, it's good that they do that. Uh, you know, we um, yeah, we uh, we can. Uh, I think all might get into that situation. I wish I knew how to administer naloxone. Oh, talking about the oranges, um, I I was told that uh, people that learn acupuncture they start on oranges, and I just uh, wanted to say some something funny that happened to me last week. My husband went to acupuncture a few times because his arm is hurting him, his elbow, and then after he was there for a few times and he had spent three hundred dollars on acupuncture, he decided he can do it himself. So he bought these little pins. And he's he says, oh, I'm just gonna put four pins into my elbow every day for half an hour. And he's been <laughs> he's been putting these pins in, and uh, you know I thought this is one of the less stupid things that he does, and I'm like laughing. But uh, yeah, so yeah, maybe if uh, you guys wanted to do your own acupuncture, start on an orange and see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was just thinking some more about Kevin Briggs. Um, well, yeah, his when he was talking about approach, uh, you know, um, where he was scared that you know he was going to contribute to someone jumping off because he didn't know how to approach, and he would ask, um, uh, you know, well, I, there was one one guy in particular when he first started to um, think about how 
that he should get some training <laughs> in, you know, talking to people, jumpers. And uh, but what what happened was there was one guy and he was really really angry and and uh, was yelling at him not to come close to him, not to come close to him, and and um, so he stayed his distance and he introduced himself and um, and basically they had this uh, conversation where where the 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 young man he you know talked for like. 90 minutes about what was going on with with him getting his anger out and uh, and he told uh, Kevin Briggs later that that was one of the things that actually actually you know saved his life that actually someone was listening to him because no one would listen to him and um, and so yeah it's just like it's it's not about you know um, telling a person that oh, everything's going to get better, like, you should, shouldn't do this, like, think about your family, think about this, blah, 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 like, this whole guilt trip, it's more about listening to someone, and, and seeing, you know, what you can offer them in terms of help, it's, even through listening, there's lots to find out. What helped me when I attempted? Um, what helped me when I attempted, uh, it was, for the record, not jumping off a bridge, uh, that's what we we're talking about currently, but I feel like my experience uh, does have some relevancy in this conversation. Um, when I attempted, the thing that really got me to be like, hey, wait a second, I don't want to die, was actually a song. It was the song Bother by Stone Sour. And it really just encapsulated how I felt and like what was going on. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm alive to be here talking subjecting you all to my shitty music taste <laughs> just kidding my music taste is elite <laughs> i agree yeah you know i can identify with that there was a few songs Always. like i came across i was having a really difficult time and i was staying at this uh transition house in campbell river and i was so so depressed and suicidal and it was just like non-stop for months and and it, um they offered me a space there to there's someone around 24-7 to talk to, and, 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 you know, there's food provided, and it's a place to rest, and uh, while I was there, I found some music uh, by a rap artist called NF, and I started listening to him, and, and, ah, it was, it just, it brought all this anger out of me, it was quite amazing, and it, but it, it, it brought this anger out of me, and released me from something that was so deep and disturbing inside, and, um, I remember I was on Facebook, on a Facebook page, and there was somebody that was, uh, you know, saying to, to the, to the other followers of this page, like, you know, like I'm so depressed. Like, what should I, you know, anybody recommend any Eminem songs? And, and, uh, and someone said all of them. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it, it sometimes music pulls you, helps lead. You know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily gonna take you out of it for for forever or long periods of time, but if it alleviates for a little while, you know, that's better than nothing. It's the creative act. We talked about that one night with um, Brian Scott here, and, and it's like if it's creativity through listening to music or art, anything, just a temporary relief is 100% uh, is blessed. Yeah, I think it's sometimes it's also just um, agency, like when you talk, your, uh, I think I said that last time we had the show, you start using your muscles, you know, that you need for talking around the mouth and the face, and you're actually doing something, and it can take you out of your uh, mindset that 
you know, might not be helpful at the time. And uh, I think that's why it's better to get people that are about to make a maybe not so good decision to start talking. You know, just don't necessarily try to talk to them, but get them to say something. Like, for example, why are you so angry? Why are you, you know, what is going on in your life? We want to know. We want to know about you. And uh, then they, they can start you know, creating sounds with their bodies and it, it can be very healing too. I mean, like, obviously the music is kind of, in, you know, again, it's like a sound sound waves. That's why I think it's so cool to be on the radio because we are creating radio waves. Yeah. It's like the more waves we can make, the better, right? So people get to, you know, Oh yeah, so this is it. No like, when you're talking about the movement of the face and the muscles, I just I was just looking up. Um, a lot of people have talked about this for PTSD and and are getting locked into depression and and whatnot. There's this uh, therapy therapy called EMDR, and it's about eye movement. And um, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't read a, I haven't read much about it. I just yeah, I've heard people talk about it, and it's been very successful for them. And um, it it. It somehow changes the way the the neurons are firing in the brain at the moments that you know you're going through depression or PTSD trauma, and um, EMDR uh, interferes with that, and it relaxes that, and it takes you down a different pathway, and next thing you know, it's like there's some relief for it, and the more sessions that you have that you go through, the greater the relief is, and uh, eventually that you're able to you know take it and, and work with it on your own as a like a tool for your toolkit yeah and um, I think talk therapy is really worthy and you know people get out of their homes they go to a therapist they talk for a while hopefully if they can you know bring themselves to and I, I think, you know, I think it's way better than stuffing people full of medication and drug them up to the eyeballs and... And then you can't talk. <laughs> and then you can't even talk. Yeah, yeah no, talk. I've, I've been there. Like, I've been so medicated that I could barely utter any sentences and... I find that medication always made it worse. And medication most of the times makes it worse. Yeah. And, um, and what I just recently found out, which kind of angers me, is that narcissists... They say narcissists, you, you can't medicate them, it doesn't help them, and so they get all the talk therapy. And as depressives, we get stuffed full of medication up to the eyeballs and drugged and, and shut down uh, to the point where we can't even communicate. And these narcissists, you know, that are, to me are, you know, the ones that do a lot of damage and that create situations for us that make us more depressed than we were perhaps before. When we have to deal with a narcissist, yeah. and they get all the talk therapy that yeah. we should be getting, isn't it? Is, it, yeah. is it? Am I describing this wrong? Am I being? Am I? Yeah. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I think I was lucky. I had. Um, it was like uh, a month or so ago. I had a panic attack, and I've like I've had. You know, you hear people talk about panic attacks, and you possibly you've had a panic attack yourself, and you know how severe it is. And so I've heard stories about it, and I've seen it on TV and whatnot, you know, people, like, acting out a panic attack. And, you know, I think, and I thought, oh, yeah, I've had mild panic attacks where my legs are shaking so bad or my arms are shaking or something, you know. 
but I had a full-on panic attack where I was on the ground and I couldn't move and I needed help. And I had the phone, like my help was in a building uh, 100 feet away from me and I didn't have the phone number there to call. I didn't know what the phone number was to call. And so I had to contact someone, this is in Courtney, and I had to contact someone at a, at a resource center in Campbell River and to get them in contact with the people where I was staying to come and get me and help me. And they had to find me because I wasn't, I wasn't in the open. I was hidden behind something where I collapsed. And I was like, I couldn't believe my body's reaction. It wasn't just, it's beyond shaking. It's like jerking. It's like, and the heart is racing. It's like, it's so bad. And, and the, the place that I'm staying at is, it's like kind of like, uh, it's a mental health facility uh, that offers housing for, for, uh, uh, and uh, 24 hour support for people with mental health um, um, needs. Um, they came out, they, they got the phone call from the Campbell River folks and they came out, they found me and helped me back to uh, the apartment, to the common room. And, um, and there was two of them, one was an LPN um, that is there, uh, you know, she's a, uh, paid staff, so she's there regularly, and one other was the the, the um, head head uh, uh, supervisor, and they 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 were incredible. They just like they they just listened to me. I couldn't believe how much I talked. I went on and on about stuff. It was just like all came out of me, and it was just I never talked like that. I was surprising myself. I and I was getting like I couldn't even. Like I was getting self-conscious, I couldn't even stop. But it was just like I t talked and talked and talked, and I just listened. And they were so kind, and they were, you know, they were very supportive and and encouraging after that as well. And and you know, they didn't phone the ambulance, they didn't send me the psych ward, or they didn't like because I had a bunch of stuff that was coming out. Never meant a panic attack, but the stuff that was coming out of my head wasn't, you know, like. Uh, what a normal person would be saying it was kind of out there but still you know they were there to support me and that's a hundred percent of what they did and they pulled me through without hospitalization um, one time in like sixth or seventh grade I don't remember I had a panic attack in class and instead of like helping or asking what was wrong you know like a normal reasonable person should do my fucking teacher decided to drag me to the quiet room which is a room we had because it was a school for people with mental problems and essentially the quiet room was an empty room with a boarded up window and two beanbag chairs and they pretty much locked me in there until i stopped making noise so there are like a lot of people who just have no idea how to handle a panic attack and are just woefully unprepared to see it happen. And the fact that those people like work with kids and work with vulnerable people is really messed up in my opinion. Uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't get why everybody needs to go into isolation on this, uh, on, uh, at a, uh, when they have maybe a bit of a psychotic episode, you know, it's not, uh, especially women, it's not like they can really do a lot of harm and they usually just yeah maybe talking or maybe talking loud or you know screaming lying on the floor and it's like it's not uh, 
it's not necessary to isolate the, these people and it's definitely not a good idea to leave them by themselves when they are in that situation they feel completely abandoned and then and they're they are restricted and uh, their freedom is restricted and they you know they are intimidated by this kind of treatment when they are already in a bad space and then make yeah. it worse yeah yeah oh, I, I wanted to say some are we gonna play some music yeah oh right yeah right yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> it's my job and somehow i forgot about it um Okay, so we yeah, we, to to we're going to hear yeah. some more of uh, exquisite music um, that Red Boy has prepared for us today. She's got a playlist on Spotify. And she's going to plug in her phone, so maybe it's going to go again. His phone. His phone. Oh, his phone. Yeah. yeah. Um, three songs, right? Yeah, three right. songs. Um, and your mic is on, so you know. And this then... is Joyriding by Frank Iero, and I... God, I can't remember which band of his plays this song because he has like 12. Okay. I knew it was Song? Okay. It's fine, right? Since I've, since I've gone off of the SRS, I've had like this heart racing, like adrenal.
That was 1994 by Slut Ever. Um, I don't know much about this band because I only really recently started listening to them. But in my opinion, their music is like truly a throwback to, well, 1994. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we weren't hearing you on the speakers. Oh, um, and. I don't know, it's just, it's a really good song, and I think Slut Ever deserve a lot more credit. They're a damn good fucking rock band. They're incredible, really. Um, anyway. Uh, did you ever read the book 1994? Uh, no, I oh. did not, but I oh, do yeah. have two uh, biography-type books about the history of grunge. Okay, oh, okay. Uh, 1994 is one of these dystopian novels where everybody gets fucked over by the government. Well... Yeah. I mean, kind of famous. Kind of starting to seem like that's not so much dystopia anymore as no. it is reality. Oh, it was written a long time ago. I think I don't know. Aldous Huxley is a famous writer, and he wrote it. In, yeah. Uh, All right. So fifties or something. Oh, you're gonna play another song? Yeah. Okay, I, go. I, yeah. Go, um, go, go, go. Another song. Okay. It's not playing. Oh no, it's not playing. Oh, it's just not. Try to plug it in. And it is plugged in. Okay. Um, what? It's playing now. Okay. Is it playing out, out into the headphones or is it just? Oh, it stopped again. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh god! Uh, I know. I recorded the whole freaking. I tried to record a whole show and this thing wasn't plugged in. And yeah. We're having some oh. trouble with the song. Oh, it's not. It's not playing. Your song's not playing. Yeah. yeah. Some of the connection yeah. has uh, flaked. Oh. Oh. Okay. That was the problem. Oh, All right. Yeah, okay. um, anyway, okay. 18 Life by Skid Row. Um,
That was 18 and Life by Skid Row. Um, I'm, I'm sure the subject matter of the song can be like, you know, relatable to a lot of people, hence why I picked it. Also just, you know, cause it's a banger, it's a good song. Like, yeah. It almost sounds like Scorpions. Um, yeah, it actually kind of does sound like Scorpions in a way. They're from around the same era, and that song is off of Skid Row's first album, which only was released just as hair metal was starting to stop be as popular. And I think that if their music had been released just a couple of years earlier, they would have gotten the fame they deserved. <laughs> um, anyway, that's my two cents on the whole subject. Uh, Sounds good. And, um, you play another one? I think that, no, that was three. Okay, we're just gonna hook up uh, to another system, so just give us a second. But yeah, that was that's great. I love the music, and it's nice to have some. Uh, yeah, you seem to know your music. Holy fuck, that's <laughs> great. Well, I am in a band, so I'd be a failure <laughs> if I didn't. <laughs> that's true, isn't it? Do you sing? Uh, yes, I sing and play bass. Oh my god, you should sing something. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say I was good at it. <laughs> oh shit, the headphones are still. I still have the headphones. Here you go. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, so yeah, we're just hooking something up. Uh, okay, just give me a second here. We'll get you oh, set up. It's playing. Don't play. Oh yeah, we are uh, going to play the clip where Jordan Peterson gets interviewed by his daughter again. Hi, Dad. Kate. Hi, kiddo. It's really nice to be doing a family update with you rather than about you. Yeah, yeah well, um, it's it feels like a good thing from this end of the <laughs> universe as well. Good. Um, well, in the <laughs> most Canadian fashion I can muster, um, what the hell happened, today. eh? That we didn't test. Right, that's what people were asking online, eh? Right, right. What happened? I took the... Um, the benzodiazepine, the way that it was prescribed, to, twice a day, 0.25 milligrams. I never really thought about it again. You know, I thought they were that it was a relatively harmless drug, and I was taking it in a prescribed fashion at not too high a dose. And what I knew about benzodiazepines was that they were comparatively safe compared to barbiturates, which they basically replaced. But um, that's much less true than everybody who's taking them hopes. And they're very widely prescribed. And I don't remember what the probability of developing a dependency on them is if you take them for more than two weeks. It's 50%, I believe. It's something like 50%, yeah. yeah. if you take them for two or four weeks. Yeah, and, and over four weeks, it's much, much higher. Right. And most people prescribe them, stay on them for life. And that could have something to do with the fact that they're very difficult to get off of. Yeah, well, it was unbelievably unpleasant. I mean, it was unbearably unpleasant. And so I started stopping. Hello, I'm trying to talk DJ Aftermath into doing a podcast. <laughs> this is Luna Lake. And friends, we are just ready here to start our radio show in about 40 minutes and uh, just listening to some music and sending it out into the radio wave land and just visiting because we got here really early. I don't, why did we get here so early? Anyway, we, <laughs> we got here really early and um, 
last uh, week we got here way too late so it was like um i guess we're compensating this week for being like hours early <laughs> anyway hold on for our uh, for the next uh, podcast episode it will be the radio show again just like last time <laughs> <laughs>